This is a show for people with awful parents. Abusive, narcissist parents that look perfect to the rest of the world. We don't get to pick our parents, but we can pick ourselves up, arm ourselves with knowledge, and burn brightest of them all. There are no bad kids here on the You Deserved Better podcast. And now your host, Mama Didn't Love Him, The Other Son. Welcome, you miserable ingrates. Welcome to the You Deserve Better podcast. I'm your host, The Other Son. Management has asked me to remind you about all our wonderful social media out there. We've got the website at youdeservebetter.com. There's a Facebook group for the podcast. There's a YouTube channel. Please uh, like and subscribe in all the right places. This is a show for people estranged or near estranged from toxic parents. If you are, uh, if you relate, if you like this show, if you relate to the show, then please accept my heartfelt condolences, because it can only mean you had lousy parents like me, and that's what's brought us all together. In an alternate universe, I'd rather not be doing this show. I would rather have been raised by a mother who loved me, but but knowledge is power, and that's why we're here. So future episodes will uh, be a bit more formatted, a bit more uh, regular, if you will. Uh, but this one, the first episode today, origin story, I'm just going to tell you a bit about myself and what has brought me here to you. I wouldn't take the word of someone who hadn't lived this themselves. So I'm going to tell you about my story. To the rest of the world, my dysfunction, my, my life failures, these are things that I I don't usually trumpet when I'm trying to blend in with the normies. But here with you, I present these as my credentials, as our secret handshake, to show you that I am one of you. So where to begin? Let's begin with the last time I spoke with my mother. That would be a little over four years ago now. And it was a few months after the death of my wife. Um... Uh, this is obviously a profound topic for me, and we could spend a lot of time here, but I'm uh, just going to say uh, briefly, um, she was young, it was sudden, um, I was there, uh, and um, it brought me to a darker and lonelier place than I ever knew existed. It broke through all my armor, all my outer shells, and split me open to my core. It made me question things. It made me change my outlook on life, and now... At the ripe young age of 50, I wanted some answers from my mother. But let's pause here and let's back up a little bit, fill in some of this, some of this backstory. Now, as I tell the story of my life, I have to keep it fairly brief, of course. Um, and that's what the show is for, is going back and filling all these details down the road. But uh, let me give you the quick run through and see if you can spot any of your own story in mine. Part one, childhood. Spoiler alert. It sucks. <laughs> Right. I was born in a big city on the U.S. East Coast to married parents, both of very solidly upper middle class backgrounds. A couple years later, my brother was born, my only sibling. Um, when I was five, we moved to a mid-sized Midwestern city for a job for my father. And not long after that, my parents started taking me to doctors because of my unruly behavior. And I was diagnosed as ADHD and put on Ritalin. This was and continues to be a valid diagnosis, another topic we can spend a lot of time on, my ADHD, and uh, we will talk about it later, but for right now, uh, I, I won't debate the validity of my ADHD. My ADHD is very real and profound, and I can't possibly 
put a price tag on what this has cost me in my lifetime. When I look back on the damage of my life, oftentimes I have to ask myself, is this a result of the childhood trauma or is this my ADHD? And oftentimes, as you can imagine, it's a Venn diagram, a bit of both. So there's my ADHD. When I was eight, my parents divorced and my mother, brother, and myself moved into a small apartment for three years. This three-year period is largely why I'm here with you today. <laughs> I will talk about this three-year period extensively on this show. It was the worst years of my mother's abuse. It was my little self-image being incinerated in the blast furnace of my mother's anger and resentment. Uh, this period of my life, these child years from 8 to 11, are the pebble. And you will see the ripples as they course throughout my life later on. Three years later, we moved into a house. My ADHD continued to result in low grades and complaints from teachers. Finally, the private Catholic school my mother was sending me to kicked me out. And after a year of public school, my mother bit the bullet and signed the big check and sent me for high school to a boarding school way back out on the East Coast. She did not send my brother away. This period of my life is also something we'll talk about a little later on. But for right now, let's skip ahead to me graduating from high school and going on to college, sort of. So I show up at college and I've got no life plan. I've got no goals. I've got no ambitions. I don't know what I want to do in my life. So I, uh, I party a lot, drink a lot, play in a rock band, get like a 1-4 GPA. And after three years, parents pulled the plug. Money's gone. I'm back in that little Midwestern town again, slugging it out in rock bands because I'm going to be a big rock star. I'm still waiting on that, by the way. It might surprise you to hear that that didn't actually pan out. So I transferred my credits to a local university, and I did, at the age of 28, finally graduate with my bachelor's. Thank you. Thank you. This, this is a highlight. This is a highlight. So with that, we'll step out into part two, adulthood. Spoiler alert. Not much better. Four months after I graduated college, my father died of a long-term illness. Another topic we'll spend a lot of time on later, but for now, let me just say that my father was also not a good parent. He was a bad parent, but in a different way. He was absentee, much more interested in chasing his girlfriends around in various cities. He traveled a lot for, for work, trying to emulate a playboy as best he could. And he was also uh, an enabler in that he was entirely indifferent to how his ex-wife was raising slash abusing me, just so long as he didn't have to do it himself. I will say in his favor, however that at least he was not cruel or abusive. So let's try getting my life on track. Take one. So I get out of college. I get a job in my field. I uh, get an apartment. I move in with my college girlfriend. Uh, we both work at the same place. Things seem to be going okay for a couple years. And then the girlfriend dumps me. Now, this is a lousy breakup, and it sucks. And for normal people, that's it. But for me, it became end of the world. Why? Because I have emotional dysregulation, which I didn't know anything about at the time. But this will make more sense later, of course. So, of course, my response was over-the-top extreme. Uh, I lost my composure at work, got myself fired, and just spun into a downward spiral of drunken depression until I took the only rational step at that point and joined the military. <clears throat> So uh, with that, we'll put an end to take one. <laughs> I go off to boot camp and uh, come back to that uh, little rinky-dink town, and let's try take two. So I get out of boot camp. 
come back to this town. I'm in the reserves now, so it's one week in a month, two weeks a year. I get a job at a bank, and I actually wear a suit for my job now. Wow, I'm becoming so responsible. I get a new girlfriend. I buy a house. I move the girlfriend into the house. I even get a file cabinet and start keeping my utility bills in order and stuff. I'm like so adult and responsible now. Things are clicking along pretty good for about a year or two. And then my reserve unit got activated and I was sent overseas for six months. And then I returned. In the time following my return, I discovered that my girlfriend had been seeing someone else. Again, this is lousy and it hurts and it sucks. And again, for normal people, this is where they walk away from an ugly situation. I told you about my friend, emotional dysregulation, right? Well, um, emotional dysregulation latched right onto that, and it became, once again, end of the world for me. Um, just didn't see a reason to go on. There was a drunken, half-hearted, cry-for-help suicide uh, attempt that um, was just part of the downward spiral. And then shortly after that, one night when I was stinking drunk again... I went over to her place with a firearm and I confronted the both of them, brandishing a pistol. Demanding to know, how could you do this to me? Why, why, why? And all those other stupid, drunken... <sighs> anyway, um, this is by far the stupidest thing I've done in my life. And it's also one of the things that I now understand a little better, the dynamics at work in my life that... That, that, that this became this out-of-control situation, but uh, we can talk more about it later again, but for right now, suffice to say, it is a stupid, shameful thing that I did, and I regret it profoundly. I went to prison for two and a half years for that, and, um, and then I got out, and then the military gave me another honorable discharge, uh, and so let's try taking crack at life number three. Take three. All right, so I get out, I get paroled, I managed to get a job in my field through an old friend, fortunately. Start working, get my own place, getting back on my feet. And I met someone. I met someone. Oh, I didn't deserve her. We'll talk a lot about her later. And I just, I'm so sorry, sweetheart, but I have to, I have to push through this now. I'll tell them how great you were down the road. They'll get to know. They'll, they'll get to love you, too. Um... There were a lot of great times, and there were a lot of rough times, and I want to make sure to say that every single rough time was 100% my fault, all of it. <sighs> Including back-to-back -back DUIs, by the way, for which I still don't have a driver's license. <sighs> we bought a house. We had dogs. We had cats. Uh, she died in January of 2019, and I believe that just about brings us back to where we started. The last time I spoke with my mother. Do you remember that mother? The last time we spoke, I'm sure you do. I was pretty upset. You remember what it was I asked you? What I wanted to know? I asked you why it was you sent me away to that boarding school so far away, and in four years, you never once came out to visit me. Not one time. You didn't care to take pictures at my prom, see me all dressed up. You didn't care to see me play lacrosse. You didn't care to come see me play in the talent show. Not once in four years did you make a single visit to see me out there. And I asked you why. Man, I got to tell you, it was delicious to hear you just 
stammering helplessly for a while. You didn't have a ready excuse because I had never asked you this before. And so uh, uh, stalling for time uh, until finally all you could spit out on the spot, uh, well, I, 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 I couldn't afford it, sweetheart. I mean, I was a single working mother. I couldn't just come out every weekend. What struck me first about your response was your classic narcissist attempt to try to exaggerate to the extreme. Every weekend? Who said anything about every weekend? I, oh, I see. You're trying to make me look unreasonable for asking, trying to suggest that I'm making this out of control request. Hmm, nice try. And then your sad attempt to hide behind this mantle of single working mother as if to cast yourself among people out there really struggling, wondering where the next meal is coming from. We had a nice house in a nice neighborhood. We had luxuries. We had HBO. We had a home computer. You sent my brother to private school, and you had no problem finding the money to send me out to the East Coast and put me on planes out there. But when I ask, why not once you came out? The best you can come up with is, you couldn't afford a plane ticket once in four years. It is such an obvious dog-ate-my-homework excuse, mother. Nobody is fooled by this. But now, like any classic narcissist, you are stuck defending this lie to the very end. You would rather cling to this pathetic, obvious lie than find the courage to step out from behind that and have an honest conversation with your own son. Wow, what a perfectly normal, healthy response. And here, I thought maybe you were the one crazy. Clearly, it must be me, mother. But I'll tell you this. I'll make this pledge to you. This phone right here, this mom line is open to you 24-7. Anytime you decide you want a relationship with me, anytime you want to talk to me, I'll be right here. And the topic of conversation will be why you didn't come out to see me. Anytime you have the courage to step out from behind that lie and be honest with me about it. I'll be right here, mother. I'll be right here. A couple years after that, the most remarkable thing happened, the most wonderful thing. I was talking with my bestest friend in the whole world. I was talking about my relationship with my mother. And she said to me, the words that changed my life, the words that put me on the path to you here today, she said, I think your mother might be a narcissist. Ding, 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 ding. What do we have for Johnny? <laughs> you know, to that point, I didn't think I knew what a narcissist was or have any experience with him. <laughs> so I Googled narcissist mother, and there it was. My life spilled across the page like blood at a crime scene. And for the first time, the first time. Validation. Sweet validation. My entire life to that point, it had never entered my mind for a second to think that maybe I wasn't this horribly flawed, damaged, evil child, but, but maybe, just maybe, my mother was in the wrong here. I had never considered that for a second. And the moment it entered my mind, it became inevitable. It became the only option. It became the only thing that made sense. It was a key fitting perfectly into the lock for which it was made. This was the transcendental moment in my life. All my life, 
I had made myself small to fit into a little box to try to earn this approval from a mother who was never going to give it. And now, now that I've realized this and I'm out of that box, I am experiencing explosive growth in all areas of my life. In these last couple of years, I have become virtually unrecognizable. My personality has changed. My tastes in, in music and film have changed. My, my, the way I see things, the way I feel about things, they have all changed as I am now finally blooming into the person I should have always been. And I kept small, trying to earn that, that, that approval. And when I found that there were others like me, I had, I had to know. I had to meet them. I had to find them. And I did. I found a support group. And I got to tell you, it was like fumbling around in the dark my whole life and then finding a light switch on the wall and, and turning it on. And there they are. There's everybody. Oh, my gosh. Thousands. There's thousands here. But you, you people would never understand my pain. I, and then I tell my story. And all of them, all of you are like, hey, I hear your story and mine. Let me tell you mine. And I hear my story and all of yours. And I've learned so much from all of you. And that is what has brought me here today, not just to break this cycle in my own family, but to ride this ripple into a wave and break this cycle for other people, to set other people free like it's done for me. It breaks my heart to think people live their whole lives and never found this out, went to their graves blaming themselves, thinking they deserve to be unloved. I got to tell you, it is no kid's fault for being unloved. And not everybody is cut out to be a parent. Right on cue there, Gene. That's our producer, Gene, letting me know it's time to wrap things up. Uh, let me remind you about all that social media stuff, youdeservebetter.com. Got a Facebook group. Make sure to like, subscribe, and all that. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your parents. Send them my way. I'll set them straight. Uh, sponsorship opportunities are available, by the way. Uh, contact our business office during working hours. Ask for Grace. She'll take care of you. Special thanks to the one who really made this all possible. That's you, Mom. Hope you're proud of me someday. I am the other son, and until we meet again, let them burn their eyes on you.